Hello everyone and happy new year. How are we feeling? Are we going to get ready for it? Is 2022 going to be another 2021? Are we going to do something different? You know me. I'm your host, Steve. And today, we're going to go through a few things. In 20 seconds, we will reveal all. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Let's do this. Hello everyone and Happy New Year. It's me, Stephen Drew. I hope you had a good one, 2022, and you enjoyed Christmas. And now we're all going to be doing a few things differently. So this is a live stream. I'm actually by myself on my own. No guess you, which is different for me. But sometimes we got to go a little bit outside of our comfort zone. And I'm sure with that, it's all really exciting. So let's talk about Let's talk about the architecture recruitment market. And I felt like I needed to get things off my chest. And this is not a polished conversation. I don't do scripts. I don't really have the time to overly prepare a script. And I thought, what's better than actually having a frank conversation and giving you a few of my thoughts, raw and scripted. And as well as that, it's a live stream. So you can give me a few questions burning thoughts that you have, share your opinion, and I can bring that on the screen. So, all right, without further ado, I don't know how long this is going to be. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be half an hour. We will see together. So, all right, let's begin with this. So it's 2022. A lot's changed. Okay. And if you're thinking of looking for a job, it's a good time. Okay. And if anyone tells you it's not a good time, then I think they're, they're misleading you. It's a great time to look for a job, but like with everything else, you need to be a little bit careful of the current situation. And what do I mean by that? Okay. So I've actually done a graph blue Peter style. Okay. To show you. So I'm going to bring it up on my screen. You've got to bear with me because I'm new at this. Okay, it's 2022. We're all learning. All right. So here's my graph. Hope you like my graph. Here we go. So what is what is the what? Where am I going with this? The main thing I want you to take away from this and learn from is what I've picked up in recruitment. So because I, I used to be a part two before anything else. So when I joined in recruitment, you have all these terms flowing at you. And what you need to know is that over time, so let's get that up over time. So you've got all the years here. What happens is in the architectural recruitment market is the demand changes. What do I mean by demand? Okay. So the demand in architectural recruitment it can sometimes be that you, the architectural practices, they're in demand looking for someone. So in 2014, everyone was looking for BIM managers and BIM coordinators. Okay. And then as things progressed, you got more and more BIM coordinators, more and more BIM managers. Then, you know, the hiring managers, they had less demand for those kind of roles, but there was more candidates on the market. 
Okay, so this happens all the time and you see a fluctuation. And during the start of the pandemic, everyone freaked out, right? They totally freaked out because we were all in a new situation. We had COVID, we didn't know how to deal with it. And what happened is there was a drop in architecture projects and that drop from the clients, there was less jobs there, meant that there was less jobs coming into architectural practices. So architectural practices had to do the best they can and instantly they stopped hiring. So this means that the demand on the job market dropped down. There was less jobs. And because people were being made redundant or they were on furlough and they were uncertain, there was lots and lots of candidates on the market. What this meant is that architectural practices, and I'll bring it back to me, architectural practices had a massive choice. They could they would put out an application and get 20, 20 to 30 people applying who were good so they had an amazing choice because if there was a role going, then they could offer it to the best person. And they had lots of people apply. Okay, so let's go back to this graph now. What you find is it's two years since the pandemic. I know it feels a bit like a blur and we're all stressing out, but actually, you know, it's, it's two years on. And what's happened is that's totally changed on the graph again. So the demand, um, has gone up. So hiring managers are looking. So this is the demand of hiring managers with, I'll make it a bit clearer, with open jobs. Okay. So the number of open jobs in the architectural recruitment market is high. Okay. And there are less people looking. There are. There are just absolutely less people looking. So what that means is there's lots of demand from clients. The projects are trickling down into architectural practices. And what the companies are finding is that they need people straight away, you know, and maybe they let people go during the pandemic. And now suddenly they need people again. So the demand of jobs has gone up. They need people. Yeah. These companies have, there's loads and loads of jobs in the job market and there's less people. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for the job seeker? So we'll talk about it now. This means that you're gonna, if you're looking for a job, you're going to see lots of choice and that's a nice feeling. It's nice to be wanted and it's nice that you get to see opportunities. And if you're growing in your career and you're thinking and moving on, then it is an awesome time to look. What you've got to be careful of as well, though, is that because it's so, at the moment, there's not many jobs, and we'll bring it back again in the graph, because there's, there's, there's sorry, because there's loads of jobs, not many candidates, salaries are going to be higher. Okay, great. You know, that's always a good thing. There's going to be a demand. There's going to be um, uh, a sense of impetus. If you send your application off, you might get asked to go for an interview quickly. And companies are going to be quite serious if they think you're good in terms of making an offer. This is all good news. But what, like the point of this today is that I wanted to tell you guys the mistakes that you can make of it. So it is a good opportunity to move. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should definitely keep your eyes out. If you've been thinking like, hmm, maybe I want to take the next step. It is a good opportunity to move. But number one mistake that I think you should not make, and I'll bring it up here now, is let me get my screen. Uh, 
bear with me. Number one mistake not to make is, um, okay, so we've established a candidate-driven market. Number one mistake is moving just for the money. Okay, in the current market, it's risky. And why is it risky? Why is it risky? Steve, you're saying that everyone's going to offer me loads more money, so why wouldn't I capitalize on this opportunity? Okay, that's fine. It's good to seize the moment. But what you've got to realize is that when companies panic to hire people and they're offering these huge salaries and stuff, it's in the moment. Okay. They really want you. It's like dating. It's like they've gone on a date and you're like, they really, really want you. But what actually happens is you've got to be careful because when the market changes and it goes back to this mode, you want to make sure that your salary is not over. It's not too high because when the peak comes down, there's, when, when, when things change, when there's less jobs on and there's more candidates looking, you need to make sure that you're on the right salary. So go for the top end of what's reasonable. Don't go for a crazy salary. So something around those lines I can give you an example is when I started working in recruitment, which was during 2014, and there was a massive crisis for finding BIM coordinators, finding BIM managers, finding anyone that's used Revit because there was a massive shortage in the UK. Most of these companies use AutoCAD. Most of these companies use Microsoft station so if anyone used revit oh my gosh we had to get them in and with that companies were throwing money at people offering them huge salaries and what i found is that if people did get a massively high salary if anything changed in the company lost projects if their value was inflated compared to all the other staff the higher salary you were the biggest cost saving exercise to be exited from the business Okay. Now, if you work hard and you get paid a bit more, I'm sure they're going to keep that in mind and probably think, oh, you know what? We, you know, we can't get rid of Dave. He's, he's too good. But if you're 10,000 pounds more than any, everyone else, because you enter that a huge salary and actually they think, well, Dave's good, but you know, Megan is actually on a lower salary and is pretty kick-ass as well. Then you're opening yourself up to risk. So you've got to think about capitalizing on the best which is sensible the best which is achievable the kind of the top of the end that you're worth but you don't want to go into that kind of crazy bracket because once this market changes and once this kind of bubble um pops which it will um you know you don't want to be that person that's open for risk so of course optimize your situation and if you've been in a in a job and your salary hasn't gone up for years then this is a great time to correct that because you can get your salary in line with where you feel like you should be going but don't make the mistake of asking for crazy high salary and even if you hear these companies throwing these numbers around then be careful of it okay so that's the number one main thing always get what you feel you deserve and push for what is reasonable, but don't be seduced by all these crazy numbers going around because at some point they will come back down. Okay, and with that was the second mistakes uh, that I see, um, and it kind of feeds into it. So, um, so let me just write it here. Uh, let me bring up my screen. Okay, the second mistake 
beware when you get to the office stage beware of companies and recruitment consultants being involved in that playing off each other pushing that salary up okay so what do i mean by that you got to be careful of the one up one up one up one up because it can be exhilarating and exciting, but also incredibly stressful. So let's get this scenario. Let's imagine for a second that you've got, um, you've been through the process, you met five companies and two companies are convinced that you are the right person. Super, super cool and well done. Well done to you. I'll put like a clap noise. Hopefully you can hear the clap, but well done, you did it. You got two really good offers. Now the tricky part comes because they're both offering you salaries, okay? So always think about everything that's involved in the offer. It's not just the salary, it's about the long-term career. What are the projects you're working on? What is the software? What is the support? What is the location like? And we'll come on to that in a bit because that's also really, really important. But you need to think about all these stuff because this is gonna be really, really important. It's not just the money. And I've seen even a little bit last year, examples where people are looking for just the money. And what will happen is that one company might be able to raise the offer, which is great. And then maybe the other person raises the offer, but you gotta be very careful playing companies off each other because it's okay to say, uh, so you know you get an offer for 38,000 and you get an offer for 40, it's okay for you to tell the other company that you've received another offer for 40,000, but what you gotta be careful of is going back and forth. So for example, if I said to that company um, that offered me 38, that um, I got another offer of 40 and I would be looking for an offer of 42. And then the company from 38 moved up to 42 and I went back to that company at 40 and got it up to 44. Maybe that would happen, but that's incredibly risky because at any point doing that, you could alienate that, per that company that's made the offer. And when you go back and forth too much to companies, not everyone likes it. Everyone wants to feel loved. They want to feel it's a two-way thing in architecture practice. You know, when you go for an interview in an architecture practice, they want to know that you're interested and you want to know that they're interested in you. So you kind of got to keep a bit of that love there. And that's where it gets really risky negotiated. Now, if you get a good recruitment consultant, they can generally help you out with that. And that's something that I do as well with candidates, but also I like to say the truth. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I believe that when you're going through the recruitment process, you should always ask what you're looking for and take it step by step. And by all means, if you've got two offers or something, you can go down that route of telling that company that you've got that other offer. But just be very, very careful because it, I have seen those things fall apart. So hopefully that's really useful as well. Now, remember this is our live stream. I'm on my own here. So you'll be doing me a favor if you ask any questions during this about what I've just talked about. So what I talked about just then for anyone that's tuning in is my mistake number one is moving for just the money. Uh, the money in the current market can be risky and beware companies playing off playing off each other uh, when you have offers okay let's put that in there uh, okay sweet okay so that's my mistake number two um okay mistake number three the world is not fair 
So while there's a massive demand right now for certain roles, architects with experience and Revit, it's still going to be really tricky for students. So even though there's lots and lots of jobs out there, if you're an architectural graduate, you still kind of have to go through the really, really difficult part of getting your first or uh, second job in the industry. I know it's really, really difficult. Um, don't feel that just because there's lots of jobs there, um, that means that uh, there's lots of graduate jobs as well. And actually, part one jobs are never you not always posted by architectural practices online. So what you really want to do is think of it um, that it's still a tricky market if you're a graduate and you want to apply to a lot, a lot of places. So on that note, what I'm going to show you really quickly is so my website, which is called the Architecture Social, and I've done a lot, a lot of, a lot of resources on that as well. And you can. Um, and here there's lots and lots of tips and there's some videos. So I know, you know, live stream with me now. I know you're seeing my face all the time when I do these, but I do do lots of guides and with that lots of videos, which are really useful for a graduate when they're looking. So here's an example of me talking about portfolio top tips and CVs. So you really want to optimize that search as well. And if you're uh, a if you're a student, you still want to send off lots of apps applications. So don't think just because there's lots and lots of um, jobs out there at architecture level means that you should send your CV to one or two places. You should send your CVs to lots of places. And you can find out lots of other videos that I've done that on YouTube, and we can cover it again. But you really, really, really want to get out there. So if you're a graduate, you kind of have to act like you've got to approach companies and you've got to make applications direct. Uh, if you do not see a job ad on the website, you should still apply. You should still apply because they maybe they have a job and they haven't posted it yet. Also, um, a recruitment consultant probably does not have many jobs on at the moment for graduates. They're probably working on larger roles. So especially earlier on in your career, you're always going to have to really do that search yourself. And further in your career, when you've gained experience, and you kind of know what sectors you're looking for. You've kind of found out what you're looking for. Then you can start looking for and for tailoring your search a bit more, not having it so wide and speaking to people in your career about it. Cool. So on that note, we're going to keep going with this, but I'm starting to get messages coming in, which is awesome because when I'm up here on my own, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So this is new for me, 2022. But so Anastasia, greetings. Thank you uh, for the message. I really appreciate you being here. Okay, let's see. Here we go. We got another message here saying, Arshad, uh, is, the, is the demand supply graph applicable to the UK job market only? Good question. I'm going to be really transparent. I focus predominantly on the UK and very, um, I do have roles across the UK and London, but I would say that this is where the UK is right now. They're in this patch, in this graph. And I, I think it, maybe there's variations in different countries, but what you tend to find is at different points in time, Arshad, is that there's more candidates than there are more um, jobs on the market. And usually it tips in different ways. So it, in recruitment slang, that's called a candidate-driven market is when there's lots and lots of candidates about, and, and sorry, a can, when there's lots of 
jobs around and the candidate has the power, it's a candidate-driven market because the candidate can pick where they want to work. And what you tend to find during times when there is no jobs because of a recession or a pandemic, it's a client-driven market because they have the sway. So please feel free to keep the questions coming. I'm going to do a few more questions and then I will talk about one of my the think what I think are the next big mistakes that you need to know and avoid. Okay, Nikhil, all right, I'm going to read this live. So you did your bachelor from India. You started working as an architect in India for a year, pursued your MRC from the University of Westminster in London in June 2021, and you've been applying since, and you haven't got a job yet. Although I've had multiple interviews, and I've even tried every platform for a job, what could I be doing wrong? Well, Nikhil, you're not the only person that's been in that position. And look, good for you, first of all, for getting your master's in Westminster. It is always difficult, especially as a graduate or an international student, Getting a job in the UK is difficult at the best of times. And this is a good time. And it's still difficult because there's always chicken and egg. Um, companies are looking for a return on their investment. And they will immediately think, uh, naturally, as a business owner, I'm a business owner, that anyone, you know, when someone has UK experience, especially in architecture, that's immediately applicable to their jobs on currently so how do you get a job in when you've got in experience from other countries and, and you're looking for a job in london well i've done a lot of videos on that again on the architecture social so i'll bring up the website and so it's www.architecturesocial.com let me put the banner up on there but i will say to you briefly why i think that is here as well but you can check out the full video on the architecturesocial.com check out the resources area and i also have a youtube channel which is architecture social as well but to answer your question okay let me bring up the screen here to answer your question okay if you don't have the uk experience because why would you haven't worked on a project which is based in the uk yet then um especially if you're uh, earlier in your career then actually knowing software like Revit's going to be really useful that's going to be really really useful maybe as well you can try and volunteer somewhere to get a little bit of experience um anything that you can do like that or getting involved with charities is super super useful but um the main main thing is that normally I will see, especially in, a, in an environment right now where there's less candidates, and but there's more job seekers looking, I think that you should apply to jobs. You should just go look at the REBA list. There's a, there's a REBA directory that not many people know about. Okay, If you Google REBA directory 2021, you can look at all the architectural practices and actually you should apply to them speculatively. Okay, even if they don't put um, a job on their website, uh, just send your application and just do basic things like do not just email the info at stephendrewarchitects.com. You've got to send, you've got to send your CV to a director. That will be really, really helpful. But I've got a lot, a lot of content for that on students as well. So I'm going to do more and more and more and more and more of these questions. And I really appreciate everyone throwing them here. I'm going to do one more and then I'm going to talk about my next few mistakes before I forget anything. So Giuseppe. Hi, Giuseppe. Is wondering if it makes sense in this shortage of candidates companies, in the shortage of Candidates, companies will look for more candidates for our experience. Uh, yes. Okay. 
So you're right, because there's a skill shortage, companies are going to go a little bit out of their comfort zone because, you know, doing an environment where there's lots and lots of, um, there's lots and lots of candidates looking and there's not many jobs, they've got the big pick of the litter, right? Let me bring on to the next point, what you need to do though, because in this environment, what you'll see is companies saying, yeah, we don't mind you doing this and that, but really when things get back a little bit to normal, okay, maybe you're not going to be working nine to five anymore in the office, but they're going to want to know that you can come to the office. So let me bring you on to the next mistake that I had that you need to avoid. Okay. Um, Give me one second. Getting there, getting there. Right, let's see where the button is. The next mistake. You need to be flexible with traveling to the office part-time or available to do so when safe. By all means, it's a risky environment. I'm saying that you should do things safely. It's fine to do a Zoom interview, but you really, really, really need to think that, can I travel to this architecture practice if the pandemic ends tomorrow. I know that we it might go on for a year or two. I know it's a tricky environment, but things change all the time. And that architecture practice might ask you to start coming back into the office, okay? And what that means is, is that if you apply, if you live in Liverpool and you've kind of been working remotely in Liverpool and, and, you, and you're applying for jobs in London, Architecture practices still in my head are going to be really um, interested in company in, in people that are in London. Okay, so uh, that that I think that really really makes a difference. And and what you want to do is you don't want to put yourself maybe because it's such a skill shortage that companies are happy with you working remotely. But what happens if they change their policy and you need to come into the office? And I don't want you in a position where suddenly the you're having awkward questions with your uh, future employees because they're saying, well, uh, Jeff, it would be great if you could travel in two days uh, a week. And then suddenly you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I've got to pay for these massive train costs. I think you really need to be realistic with the idea that you're prepared to go back to the architecture practice should things go back safe. I'm not saying that you shouldn't look for a hybrid situation. Hey, I love working at home two days a week and going into the office two to three days. You know, I run my own business. That's what I choose to do. And I've seen many companies happy with people working remotely, even five days a week. But don't get caught out, you know, when things change, you don't want to expose yourself. So you really need to make sure that you are happy, and I'll bring it up again, being flexible with the traveling commute, you know, and that's why even, and I'll bring it on to the next point, a big, big mistake is accepting a job without seeing the office. Perhaps wear a mask and take your diff um, uh, keeps your distance. What do I mean by this? Okay, I know a lot of people that have taken a job, okay, and they've, during the start of the pandemic, remotely, and then when they started going back to the office, maybe they didn't feel like the culture was for them. Maybe that commute that they thought would only take 35 minutes is now taking an hour and 20 minutes, and that's putting a massive toll. Or maybe it just doesn't feel right. And so, okay, while you can't exactly... Uh, you know, in life, there's always a little bit of risk when you're going in between jobs. But what I would say is at least travel to that office if you can. 
okay? And you, maybe you can say hello, or you, maybe you can go meet your colleague down the park, or maybe you can go into the office at a socially distanced, safe length. But being in the office and seeing it is going to be incredibly important for you because the interview process is just as much for you as it is for them. And what you don't want to do is take a job and that remotely works out fine. And when you start having to go back to the office, you're kind of caught out. You don't like it. It doesn't work. The commute doesn't work. It doesn't feel right. Or perhaps you don't enjoy that environment. And then suddenly you're looking for a job again. And that's not fun at all position to be in. So that's uh, my biggest mistake. Number five, taking a job without seeing the office, wear a mask and take your distance, uh, keep your distance so that you know what you're getting into. Well, classically on a live stream, I've numbered this wrong. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll change it live. But hey, I told you this is going to be unscripted. You're going to get my thoughts and we're going to have an honest conversation. Okay, so mistake number six, and then what I'm going to do is go back to the audience is get the basics right. They matter. For example, before um, don't oh, let me go. Don't just send an online website as your CV and portfolio. Okay, so what do I mean by this? Let's go back. Okay, let's go back to the screen. It's a different environment. We're a bit more digital. That's great. But you've got to make sure that CV and portfolio is still bang on. You want to keep the principles that you've learned before the pandemic. Okay. And you want to kind of keep them alive. What do I mean by that? You've got to focus on your CV. You've got to focus on your portfolio. They've got to work. And you need to kind of prepare a CV and portfolio on Zoom as if it was like in a real interview. You have to have that stuff there. You don't want files everywhere. You want to have a concise CV. You want to have a concise portfolio. But yes, it is an art form having an interview on Zoom as well as having an interview on person. And I've actually done another hour, and I enjoy doing these. So it was another hour that I enjoyed covering that topic. So I'm going to quickly bring up the videos on my website that you can have a quick look at. And then... Um, I'm going to open it up for questions. So let's go through a few of these. So I've done a few videos here on the architecturesocial.com. This is in the advice section at the top. Just go here in the resources and you can see here me and Will. Will's brilliant. We were talking about a few different topics and you can see that I've got stuff like talking about negotiating salary. How do you resign properly? You know, all this stuff diversity, inclusivity, but going on to the point, talking about CVs and portfolios. I've even got one here, like, how do you get a job during the pandemic? And I review CVs live. So there's all that stuff in more detail. We're just covering an overview. And this is all about the mistakes that I want you to avoid. So get the basics right. Okay. So I'm going to open it up to the audience again. All right. So Abdullah, good to see you here. Um, it's good to speak to you before. What if you're negotiating about your work permit? How do we talk about the salary and not seem like a financial burden? Well, it's always difficult. You want to make it as easy as possible for the employer. So another mistake is not mentioning that you need a visa when you are looking. What do I mean by that? You actually think about it. Sometimes when we feel awkward about a situation, we don't mention it. So on your CV and on your portfolio, you, um, you might say on your CV, you might not mention that you need a visa because you think, oh, 
It's an awkward conversation. I want to explain it in person. And you were right to think that. I think, though, I haven't done this for a while, it's better to say in an email um, and, you know, your cover letter or your CV that you do need that visa and explain spe specifically which visa you need. But further than that, go and minimize the risk for that. So what do I mean? So a office manager or an architectural practice owner, they're probably open to the idea of doing um, the visa process, but maybe they don't know the full process yet. And you need to decrypt that for them. So if you said, I need a visa tier two or tier four, I'm making this all up right now on the spot, but I actually know how to go through that process and I'm happy to do it all and talk about me taking the burden out of that, helping you do the admin on it, um, then that's going to look really good. If you say that you're familiar with the process and you're happy to help the employer go through it, then you're kind of taking the burden off them, which is really, really useful. And just say that you're open-minded to having a grown-up conversation with them about the salary and the visa. It is a tricky thing. It's not easy for everyone to do, but kind of confronting the issue and hitting it dead on is usually the best thing, in my opinion. Um, okay, we will move on and talk one or two, bring up one or two comments. So thank you so much for the, the, um, the, the nice words. I really appreciate it. It's the first live stream I've done on my own and, uh, yeah, I'm quite enjoying it actually. So Milos, this year will be playing for a part one. What strategy of application would be successful? Is it a good, uh, idea to register with job agencies. Milos, um, job agencies are not going to be the best use of your help right now during the pandemic because I know many people in recruitment like to talk about this, which is a bit strange, but uh, well, recruitment consultants are paid to look for assignments. Um, so they were usually paid for stuff like BIM managers and directors and architects with um, healthcare experience or education, They're not paid for to look for a graduate. So what does that mean? The best person to help you as a part one, get your job is yourself. And you, I would advise for you to send your application to lots and lots of places. Uh, one of the good things as well is I'm gonna put the banner here as well. You can check out my website where I've got a lot of content designed for people like yourself who are part ones uh, so i've got lots of guides there's even a forum where you can go on and talk to people and get advice and hopefully that will help you for the process and i'm there and i do try and help out with certain things although i'll be really upfront my time is spread thin so i try to do content like this so i can get it out and we can all have um lots and lots of content online and you can help yourself so going back to your question um you're a part one. Help yourself. You can do it. You can totally do it. I did it during um, the 2009 pandemic and there was no jobs. And um, I sent a thousand applications and I got a job in the end at one of the top 20 companies in the UK. So if I can do it, you can do it. I believe in you. But just got to keep up the energy and keep going. Never, 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 never lose momentum. Thank you, Giuseppe. And uh, hopefully I'm I helped on that point. It is always, always difficult getting a job, your first job in the UK. But lots of people do it and lots of people get there. All right, Nikhil, good to see you here. Um, if you're a part one graduate, is it still worth applying for part two? They possibly offer part one, despite the company not promoting part one due to the lack of part one roles. 
I'm saying this because a friend applied for a part to assistant role, knowing he didn't qualify, and they offered him the job. So, Nikhil, it's a really, really good question that you've got then. And um, the point was is that your friend sent over his application as a part one and that it, it impressed them. And they offered him a part one job. Now, they probably put the part two uh, open on their website, but apply to companies direct. Don't just wait for um, a company to put a job on their website. Send your application. And if you're feeling really, really confident, ring them send your application and ring them a day or two later you don't need to demand an answer but just say uh so if i was ringing up a company now i would call them and i would just go like <laughs> ring 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 um hi uh my name's stephen drew i sent through a part one application two days ago now i know you're busy can i ask though if you received it and they'll probably say something like let me just double check Yep, we got it. And you go, that's fantastic. I love what you're doing in the architecture practice. I love the projects on your website. And I would, I, I would, I would love to hear your feedback whenever you get a, a spare moment. Okay. And they probably go, great, yada, yada. You made a good impression. And then you can follow up the week after. Yeah. And then you follow up the week after and you're saying, just double checking if there's anything else you need from me. Is there anything else that would be useful? And they might say, can you send it through a more bigger portfolio or something like that? And you need to go through and organize your search. But again, I've done that in, a, in, in detail on the website. So go to thearchitecturesocial.com. Look at all the guides there. And I promise you, the stuff I've talked about now for two minutes, you can look at what it makes a good CV. I've done an hour on that, what makes a good portfolio. And you can pick up all the all the all the the tips and tricks okay but you need to get out there and you need to send your application to lots and lots of places as a graduate so there's one video in particular that i think would be really useful for you which is how to get a job during the pandemic so have a look at that okay cool let's bring it on to another question um oh i think it was a double question so and thanks well no problem my pleasure. All right. Well, we're kind of blitzing through this. Let me tell you another mistake that I think everyone needs to be made aware of. Okay. So when you are a candidate and you're looking for jobs, you want to work with recruitment consultants that you trust. You've got to be very particular. You know, right now, because there's less candidates on the market, that means that recruitment consultants are going to be looking more and more for people maybe promising the world. There's a lot of genuine recruitment consultants out there, but you get to choose who you want to work with. And so a good few questions to ask a recruitment consultant is um, ask them to tell you about the company. Ask them if that um, if they've been to the office, what they like to work on, what's the short term, the medium, the long term prospects, and what the relationship is with the company. Okay. Now, if the recruitment consultant has a good relationship with the company, then yeah, you're probably better off going through them. So, for example, if I know the director of an architecture practice and I've built up rapport over the years, um, that relationship's really useful because then when I see a really good candidate, I will say, Paul. Um, this guy's amazing. I really think he would be good for Jeff's team. Have a look at the CV portfolio. And I will do that. And then Paul will say, Steve, 
You're right, let's get him in for an interview with Jeff's team or whatever. And that's really, really useful. But if I don't know the company and I don't have that relationship, then, you know, what's the point? So always speak to the recruitment consultant and ask them what the relationship is with the company, especially in an environment where this a candidate shortage, just to test that they really have um, test that they really know the company and that they will actually make a difference. If the recruitment consultants have worked with the company for many years, they're probably going to be a real useful, beneficial part of that search. But if they don't know the company, then you may as well apply direct. There's no difference because they don't know the company. The CVs go into the info at stephendrewarctics.com. Whereas if they do know the company and have their reputation, then your CV gets sent um, to the directors. You know, and that's what's really powerful. But with all these things, it's all about human relationships. And the reality is, if you are the earlier part of your career, then you are going to need to do that search still. But if you are further along in your career, then it probably makes sense to do a more tailored search or perhaps speak into a recruitment consultant. So let's summarize on all the stuff we've talked about because I think we've covered a lot of grounds here and then I think we can do a little last roundup. So mistake number one I went through is moving just for the money in the current market is risky because you don't want to be overinflated. You want to make sure that you're on the top end of what you deserve, but you don't want to make sure that when the bubble peaks, when the bubble peaks and the demand for jobs goes back down and the more people are looking, you don't want more people are looking who are more competitive than you. So you always want to be in the top end of what you deserve and work hard. The second thing that I went through was beware playing with companies, playing companies off each other during the negotiation part. Yeah. And if one company has offered lower than the other, by all means, tell them, but don't keep playing that game because the more you do that game, the more frustration it is. You can um, make people aware and you can go and, you know, make a decision at this point. But if you keep going up and up and up and up and up, you'll frustrate the person and they'll go, do you know what? Go with the other company. I don't even care anymore. And you don't want to do that if actually you really wanted that company, but you were trying to play them along for um, a little bit extra, a little bit extra. So be careful when you do that. Beware. Um, demand is higher for experienced architects, but it's still going to be difficult for students. So, um, yep, I've gone through it. If you want more information, especially if you're a student, check out thearchitectsocial.com. Hopefully that will be useful to you. Need to be flexible when traveling to the office part-time or available to do so when safe. Um, it's not going to be attractive for the employer if you're in Edinburgh and they're in London and at the end of the pandemic, you're not prepared to move to London. They probably will try and pick someone who's going to do London. So do go to job interviews that you're happy to go to and work at at the end of the pandemic yeah this is for your sake not just the employers i don't want you getting caught out six months eight months down the line taking a job without seeing the office make sure that you want to work there right just because you had a good interview on zoom you need to check it out 
It's like a mechanic buying a car without flipping up the bonnet. You don't know what the state of the engine is. You haven't got a feel for it. You know, when you go to an office, you can tell with the environment, you know, is it a laughter or is it professional? Are people friendly? Are people there at eight o'clock and nine o'clock at night? Maybe if they are, you want to think about, is that the normal? And you get to see all this stuff when you go to an office. So of course, be safe. And I don't want anyone to get Omicron, uh, awful, but you want to see that office for yourself. Get the basics right, they matter. CV and portfolio like before. Don't forget that that is still the case. Don't be seduced by just sending the website. Do the basics and be prepared to show your CV and portfolio, maybe even in person. Uh, just be prepared for it, you know? And um, yeah, by all means, do a Zoom interview, but be available. Take a phone interview or maybe even meet someone in the park. You know, and if you feel comfortable going into the office, then by all means do it. That might be seen as a positive thing. Okay. Um, last thing is when there's uh, lots and lots of uh, demand, make sure that you um, speak to the recruitment consultants and pick who you want to work with. There's lots of recruitment consultants. Maybe you want people who have done industry experience. Maybe you've heard from word of mouth that people are good and reputable and work with them and test that relationship these companies you know as a do the does the recruitment consultant really know them do they really know what's going on in that industry do they really understand architecture that's kind of really really important so this was my first live stream okay and i hope it was useful please let me know if you thought it was and you can find me on the architecturesocial.com you can email me uh, let me bring up my email. So my email is stephen at architecturesocial.com. And as well as that, you can go to the architecturesocial.com and check out all that stuff. Last thing, just so you know that as well as resources on the architecturesocial.com, I've been building up a directory, which is for free, and you can check out companies and see if they're cool if you like their work and get in contact with them i'm going to build this out to be the biggest architecture directory for free that you can use to help you in your job search so i work part-time at acro larry and you can here see their profile you know always do your research always do your research and check out if you you know where you want to work so for example here i've got all their podcasts and the sectors they work in and descriptions and pictures and projects so feel free to check that out in the architecturesocial.com forward slash directory i will be posting jobs on the architecture social directory and companies can post two jobs a month for free and so you can see here that there's a few jobs already. Community managers, uh, just posted one at data centers. So that's all up there. So I'm going to keep building that up. So I've been going in architecture social for six years. I've worked in recruitment for eight years. So I'm going to build this up. Okay. So that's there for the future. But check it out and, and let me know your feedback and join the forum and drop me a message if you want and say hello. I post stuff there. But feel free to post stuff. There's lots of people in the industry, in the industry, which is there, which is really cool. And you might learn a few things. So that's been it for me. Uh, thank you, Giuseppe. I really appreciate that. Um, Dennis, thank you for saying it's helpful. Feel free to get in contact. I might do one next week or the week after. If there's a topic that you have, which you think would be cool to cover, then I'm more than happy to do it. 
Um, but that's everything for now. Thank you so much. I'm going to end the live stream here. Have a fantastic day. Remember the graph. Remember that the demand for people is high. And get what you think you're worth. Get it. Push for it you're worth. But if it sounds too good for to be true, when, when the chips are down, when things are changed, you don't want to be the, the one caught out. Sometimes the highest salary is the biggest cost-saving exercise. But if you go for a, the highest salary of what you're worth and you work really hard, you're probably not going to be picked when the chips are down in the company. So you can do it. I'm going to leave it here. If you need anything else, contact me. We'll end the live stream there. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sarah, for being here. More than happy to be useful. I'm going to leave the live stream now. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye.